Good morning and welcome to Northminster. No matter who you are or how you got connected with us this morning, we are grateful to be gathering here with you in this time. This has certainly been a difficult week. Some of us may be facing the anxiety of financial uncertainty. Others may be facing the anxiety that comes from the loss of simple routines and predictability. Whether you're carrying that or not, wherever you're coming from, now is the time to remember that you are not on your own. You are part of an us. You are now with your community of meaning makers, where we share our fears with honesty and non-judgment, and where we are able to discover through that the peace that surpasses understanding. We want to be sure that you're aware of several new avenues we've introduced this week for connecting with one another online while practicing social distancing. Two of our Sunday School classes met online this morning over Zoom, and hopefully we'll get our third class up and running before next week. If you haven't joined a Sunday School class already, feel free to dip your toes in the water virtually. Any of our classes would be happy to have you. This Wednesday night, we'll be picking back up with our churchwide book study of Nadia Boltz Weber's Shameless over Zoom at 5.30. Uh, the choir and the parents group will also have opportunities to connect over Zoom in the near future, so be on the lookout for more communication about those. Please keep an eye out on our Facebook page and in your inbox for all of the Zoom links to those gatherings and for any other information about opportunities we're able to create for us to connect in this time of isolation. This week, rather than half of us on one platform and the other half on another, we've asked everyone to stream this service through YouTube. We've done that so that we can make use of all the same chat features on this page. Whether that's to check in for a few moments during the preludes, to share your prayers with the community when we get to that part of the service, or even to share some ways that you're feeling invited to respond after the sermon. We are sensitive to the reality that financial uncertainty is one of the side effects of the spread of this virus. However, if you find yourself in a position to continue or even increase your contributions to the church, know that those donations will be so appreciated. The church has made the decision to honor our commitments to all of those on our payroll, including our staff, choral scholars, and childcare, who are all relying on this income in an anxious time. And we can't do that without your continued support. Now, I invite you to take a deep breath as we prepare to worship the spirit of love together this morning. Welcome to Northminster.
A reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 13. Ahab told Queen Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Elijah was afraid, so he got up and fled for his life. He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of Yahweh. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then a messenger of Yahweh came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. The messenger said, Go out and stand on the mountain before Yahweh, for Yahweh is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before God. But God was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But God was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. There he heard the voice of God. This is one of our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. A reading from 2 Corinthians. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from the adversary to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Three times I begged God that it might leave me, and God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So I am content with weakness, with mistreatment, with distress, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. When I am powerless, it is then that I am strong. This is one of our sacred teachings. Thanks be to God. For the past few weeks, we've been working through conversations about sexuality and gender. We've been creating spaces to look ourselves in the eye, to look our society in the eye, and to name our sins, to name our failures, to love well through our sexuality. This naming is important because it's the first step in letting them go and becoming agents of healing. It's important work. It's work we still believe in. But it's work we're going to have to set aside for a while. This conversation will keep. 
I doubt that sexism and heteronormativity are going anywhere in the near future, and if they do, that's great. But if not, we can pick this conversation back up when we're ready. For now, there are more pressing stories to be told. What feels like a lifetime ago, on the third Sunday in Epiphany, I stood up here and I led us in a pastoral prayer. Abroad in China, I prayed. The coronavirus has claimed the lives of 56 people, with thousands more infected. We watch both with broken hearts for those suffering and with fear as we remember our smallness in this world. Knowing that even with all we've accomplished, we're still at the mercy of something as microscopic as a virus. We couldn't have known how true that was at the time. But now, surely, it's clear. Have our egos, our sense of importance or power, ever been challenged more directly than they have been in the past several days? Or the sense that we are defined by our work, our ability to accomplish, or our ability to consume? In our lifetimes, have they ever been more fully revealed as illusion? I can't help but think of the irony here. This has always been one of the main purposes of Lent, to expose those addictions and illusions for what they are. You think about it. We begin our sojourn with a service to remind us that we are dust, and to dust we're going to return. Right out of the gate, we seek to offend that part of ourselves that is so afraid to look at our own impermanence, our own lack of control, and then in the 40 days that follow, we enter the wilderness of continuing to look at those things we'd rather not look at, of reminding ourselves of our own illusions, addictions, and limitations. And then once we see them more clearly, we can let go. We can have grace. We can start to heal. We can remember who we really are, facing the truth that we're not immortal, that we're not in control, that we're not defined by our profession, our possessions, our good deeds, or our family. In the wilderness of Lent, all those illusions fade in the light of the truth of who we really are. We are incarnations of the divine, children of God, first and foremost, expressions of the one ever-changing, loving consciousness. And when we realize who we are, then we also realize there's nothing left to protect, there's nothing left to be afraid of, there's nothing left to be attached to. There's only joy, peace, and grace. The gentleness of being. That's the resurrection that waits for us at the end of our wilderness sojourn. But here's the thing. There are times when we choose our wilderness, where we choose our spiritual work, knowing from the outset what we're after. But then there are seasons when our sojourn into the wilderness 
is quite outside of our control. Sure, there is the hallmark Linton story that we tell every year of Jesus choosing to go out into the desert to face off with his ego. That's one story. But how many more are there of people who didn't have a choice? Of people like Jacob, having to hide in the desert with his murderous brother on his heels. Of the fugitive Moses, stumbling through the gates of Egypt into an unsafe future. Of the prophet Elijah finding shelter in a cave while an angry queen sought his life. Of the people of Judah being forced into the wilderness again in chains, their nation burning to the ground at their backs. Or the story of Jesus carrying a cross out of the city towards that desolate hill of the skull. These stories are also our stories. We come from a people that have chosen the desert and people who didn't have a choice. We are a people of wilderness stories. So, with respect to Lent, I'm afraid it no longer matters whether or not you planned to give something up this year because things have been taken from you. The wilderness has become more real to us in the past days than we ever could have anticipated. Unlike any other Lent, we no longer get to choose the nature of our suffering, but here is one small piece of agency that I can give back to you. You do get to choose what it means. You do get to be co-creators of this story because we are a people of wilderness stories. Father Richard Rohr once wrote, until and unless there is a person, situation, event, idea, conflict, or relationship that you cannot manage, you will never find the true manager. It is the imperial ego that has to go, and only powerlessness can do that job correctly. Otherwise, we try to engineer our own transformation by our own rules and by our own power, which is not transformation at all. It seems we can in no way engineer or steer our own enlightenment. We may be approaching this wilderness with resentment and anger at what it's doing to us, or more likely and more truly, fear and discomfort. And that is as it should be. These feelings should neither be rushed nor denied, only allowed with grace and kindness for ourselves. Finding meaning in pain is not the same as making pain go away. But if we can greet this within ourselves with openness, then after those feelings of fear and anger have their rise and have their fall, we will be able to find the gift that the wilderness has to offer. 
we can discover that it's part of the curriculum, helping us in that human art of letting go what is false. You may have heard the phrase, religion is lived by people who are afraid of hell. Spirituality is lived by people who have been through hell. Whatever you've experienced and whatever is about to come, let us remain open and mindful. Let us commit now to noticing when fear arises in us or blame arises in us or anxiety of losing even for a while the things that have defined us and kept us occupied for as long as we can remember. Each of these things is an invitation. Each of these things is an invitation to let go of our egoic need for control and our need for protection each is an invitation to surrender to grace, to surrender to presence, to surrender to the Holy Spirit that dwells within each of us. Each is an invitation to actually find that grace that is sufficient for us, that power that is perfected only in weakness, that life that we can only find by letting our life go. So let us remember the full story of our people's sojourns into the wilderness. Let us not forget that when Jacob awoke in the desert after fleeing from his brother, he found a gateway to heaven and he proclaimed, surely God was in this place all along and I never saw it. Let us not forget that after Moses fled, he found new life among a new people and one day heard an invitation of God into a story greater than one he could have imagined. Let us not forget that the prophet Elijah, at the end of himself, hiding in a cave, then found food and drink and heard God in the sheer silence he'd never let himself notice before. And let us not forget the people of Judah, once their city had burned, how they were able to find God again in the welfare of the people they thought were their enemies. And of course, let us never forget what Jesus discovered after three days entombed in a wilderness we cannot yet fathom. When you are in the thick of it, remember the whole story. Because these are our stories too. We are a people of wilderness stories. So let us find our place in this one. Amen. In this time when we are unable to physically be together for communion, please receive these words of institution that go beyond the walls of a single building. 
Let us take communion with the great cloud of witnesses that transcends time and place. When Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you, it was not a limitation. It was not the institution of a ritual, but an invitation, an invitation to see Christ in all things. He was not saying, I am here only. He was not saying, I am only in the bread or wine blessed by a priest or a pastor, but rather, learn to see me here so that you can learn to see me everywhere. It was an invitation to be sustained by his presence in all things. Whenever you do this, whenever you break bread, remember me. Likewise, when Jesus said, this is the new covenant sealed by my poured out life, he gave us a window into a new world, into a world in which all embracing grace was not a prize to be earned, but a gift, the divine birthright poured out for all humanity. Whenever you do this, something as common as drinking a cup of wine, remember me. So, people of God, in the common elements around you, in the meal that you are probably about to enjoy, recognize the great in the small, the presence of Christ in all things. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Receive now this benediction. Beloved of God, as you begin this new week, may the peace of Christ uphold you. May the love of this community enfold you. May the grace of God sustain you, whatever tomorrow will bring. You are seen, you are loved. Go in peace.